9 a.m. in New York, 4 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 9 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com, and I am a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. You know, I had only lived abroad for about nine months. And it was my first trip that I was going to go home because one of my friends was getting married and I was in her wedding. I was only home for nine days. And in that nine days, I had 12 bagels. Now, for those of you who have lived abroad and missed familiar food, you understand what I'm talking about. Might not have been bagels, could have been something else, but your first time (laughs) that you go back, you might, you want to just binge on that because you are in denial of this special thing that feels like home when you're abroad. And I know that I'm not alone. So today we're going to talk about the role of food, inner adaptation, in our resilience and in our lives as people who are globally mobile. And I can't think of a better person to have on the show than Mauro Clerici. And you're going to want to stick around to the end because we will answer specific questions sent in from expat happy hour listeners. It is my special pleasure to welcome our guest today, Mauro Clerici. He's been an expat since 1997, and he left Italy to travel the world and explore. But at the time, he was a skinny young man, an avid smoker, and food for him was important, but he just really didn't know how to cook, and he didn't know what was right for his body, especially under stressful situations like making transitions. He went from Milan to New York City to London and Miami. And along the way, he learned not only how to take care of himself, but to really thrive even on a budget by using the right health approach and self-care. Those experiences shaped him today and led him to become a marathon runner. And now he's a holistic aromatherapist and a certified integrative health coach. So we're so happy to have him on Expat Happy Hour today to share what he knows based on his client experience as he helps people lose weight, feel better, and adapt in any new environment through focusing on nutrition and lifestyle. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome you today, Mauro, to Expat Happy Hour. Thank you. Thank you, Sunday. That's uh, great to be here. Such a great introduction. Powerful. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've done so many things. And what I love about your story is that, you know, this is not meant to take down any health coach, right? What I, but, but what I do love about your story is that you haven't always been the, you know, this healthy, you know, pillar um, that you actually went through your own transformation. And, you know, for those of you who know Italy, they take their food very seriously. And it is home, right? Italian food is, is very connected to home. And then moving to the U.S. and having a completely different food experience um, must have been a huge shock for you. 
Yeah, you know, Sunday, this is a really, um, a, a, you know, a common stereotype. And, and, and usually it is true that uh, if you're Italian, you know how to cook incredibly well. And, you know, you're, you're done and, you know, you learn from your parents. And, okay, well, my mom was too busy working long hours. And, you know, I, 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 she's my role model. I love her to death. But one thing she never did was really taught me how to cook. So, so I knew was, was, you know, what, what good food was, but I never knew how to cook it. So against all stereotypes, I had to relearn everything, uh, you know, and I started eating bad hot dogs <laughs> until <laughs> I really got it right because I knew that I couldn't survive on hot dogs and, you know, and bagels. Um, but so. hot dogs are cheap, right? If you moved and you don't have a lot of money when you first get somewhere, you you buy what you can afford, right? Yeah, I mean falafels were were my friends. I mean, I <laughs> you know, one dollar falafels were my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I loved it. I grew sick, but that's what I could afford. And I remember the first three months of my life in my new country, that you know, my city, New York City. Um, I I grew so much hair that my mom barely recognized me because <laughs> I didn't even have the money to cut my hair either. <laughs> So you, you know, so the back, we, I, I'm guessing we're, I don't know if we're around the same age, but if you're moving in 1997, you must have at least been a young adult and you don't have a lot of money. You're in a totally new country and you were not equipped with cooking skills. You're resorting to, you know, budget hot dogs and falafels. How bad did it have to get until you realized you needed to take more control over what you were putting into your body? Um, so it was, it was a journey of self-awareness, you know, obviously I was 23, I was growing up, I was, you know, I was throwing, going through the, 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 the growing pains of, um, of, of like, you know, checking in with your body, with your mind. I had no idea what I was experiencing, but the instinct, uh, and, and definitely my skin and my guts, <laughs> uh, were telling me, uh, that I had to change something in order to, um, to being able to survive better that situation, you know, uh, there, there was mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, uh, I experienced a lot of stress in, in learning a new, a new culture, uh, surviving a new environment. So I think after a few months, I realized that, um, I had to change my strategy, uh, and food came into my, into my, um, you know, into my mind. And I was like, well, I think I think I have to start eating uh, better because I'm falling asleep. You know, back then I was going to English school and then later to college. But my lifestyle was was terrible. Um, you know, of course, at 23, you have all the energy um, enough not to care about what you mm -hmm. eat and, you know, how little sleep you get and how bad the food you eat is, you know, because anything you do works out. <laughs> um, right. But you know what? You're you're talking about an experience being young, you know, 23. But listen, my clients are not 23 and they are they've been through similar things. And I'm just going to repeat back some of the things that you said. You were feeling stressed. You were feeling um, you were taking language lessons, right? You're in a, a place where you were relearning you know, or learning a language. You ha had 
access to probably the lower quality food. And one of my clients, um, she was sharing with me, she moved to Korea and she was saying, I bought basically Doritos for dinner because it was the only thing that I recognized in the grocery store. You know, expats who move abroad aren't sleeping very much because they've just moved or they have children at home that they're trying to get adapted. They might not even have access to the markets that they understand what's happening. I mean, this is something I think a lot of people can identify with. Yeah, it is very common. I mean, it's, uh, it's if you think about it, um, in, in this time and age, uh, you move to a new city, maybe with, uh, with family, um, um, you know, uh, tagging along. Uh, the last thing you think is, is quality food and, and mindfulness and, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, all you had to think about is to, how to make that small budget work out and how to uh, connect internet on how to nav- navigate the subway. You know, and then suddenly you're you find yourself ex- exhausted, not sleeping well, lack of energy, uh, you know, skin problems, maybe some some gut issues, and you know, uh, it's very common. Right. So I want I would love for you to share your insight on two specific situations today. One, there is a situation that I know I've experienced. If you move to an area that um, food sources are limited. Um, you know, when I was living in Burkina Faso, there was the market, but it wasn't, you know, very locally sourced sometimes because of the, you know, being in sub-Sahel, you know, the, there were four carrots available, you know, like you have to make different choices, um, and eat more locally when you're abroad and the choices that you have access to, like one of my clients who lived in Tokyo, she's like, I hope I spend the rest of my life never seeing sushi again. You know, it's like you, you, you might not have grown up on that one way of eating and it's hard to find something, to find food that feels familiar, that feels comforting to you based on how you grew up knowing comfort and your options are limited. So that you might find yourself with your skin changing, with your energy levels changing, because the foods you've been giving yourself, um, you know, in the best of circumstances are no longer there. What advice do you have for expats who find themselves in a location where they're having a hard time getting their food, whatever that food might be? So I, I, uh, I kind of devised a simple strategy for when I uh, move or, or travel, um, you know, for more than a few days, obviously. But um, I have three single um, tips that I'd like to share. Um, and I call them explore your food, plan your eating, and schedule self-care activities. Um, so the, um, the, the first part of, of, of my plan is really simple. Um, you know, is the first thing that I care about when I move to a new place is making sure that my um, my uh, immune system is supported. Um, you know, if I get sick, I won't be able to do um, to succeed in what I, I came to do in the in the in the country I'm I'm moving to, or the the journey that I'm doing, or the trip that I'm taking. Um, so for me, exploring the local food, so sourcing my food, uh, finding local supermarkets with healthy choices, um, it's very important. Uh, some of the things you said about you know local resources, it is true that in some places uh, resources are more restricted than others. 
obviously, you know, I, um, I, I, I can't foresee if I go to, you know, Burkina Faso, obviously I'll have to, you know, <laughs> find the best choices, uh, uh, that I can find. But in general speaking, if you go to a, a urban area uh, where you have a lot of choices, I would definitely uh, source clean water, uh, make sure that I have a, a clean source of water, which is really, really important for your body. Um, and uh, find local uh, communities um, that support my health lifestyle. So it can be mm-hmm. local farmers, it can be local markets. Well- well, what you said kind of hits hit a chord for me in a sense of, um, you know, when I get somewhere, it's like, let's just have food in the fridge, you know, like, <laughs> it's just about having food in the fridge. I'm not super focused on yet, yet the quality of the food. And what I'm hearing you say is if we step back and we look big picture, that you're going as far as seeing it from your immune system and that what we're really trying to do with food is see it like medicine. And these are my words, not yours, but the way I'm seeing it is, hey, this is what you need to support you. And this is very connected from the cultural perspective about resilience. If you're moving to a new country and you want to make the most of it, you need to have resilience. And what I'm hearing from you is that your immune system needs to be taken care of. And that means we do need to spend some thought and time in finding the good food. And that might mean extra time and effort, right? But it sounds like it's worth it. Yeah, Sunday. So you hit the nail on the head. I mean, think about it. Um, if we, you know, we don't think about it anymore, any, any, any much, but uh, if you, if you look at it at a primal um, a need point of view, um, we are basically uh, fetching our food, right? We, we, we're not used to do that anymore. We don't hunt for food anymore. We don't harvest our food anymore. What we do, we enter a supermarket and we trust that whatever is offered to us is, is something that is edible and it's a good for us. But what if it's not, you know? I think mm-hmm. part of our um, primal strategy is, uh, is important to keep in mind because it allows us to keep our survival instinct intact and alive. And when it comes to food sources, I feel it's a very basic uh, need that we have. So when we, do, when we move to a new country, I, I believe that we need to force ourselves, we need to um, put an effort into switching our priorities, you know, swapping them mm-hmm. around. And so mm-hmm. the priority is to connect the internet. It's the priority is to do well at work. Yes, but we need to remember what our primal needs are, which is like surviving mm-hmm. and thriving. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I am hearing that. I am hearing that. And you're right. It, there is some forcing <laughs> that, has, that has to happen. Um, there was something you said that really... Um, resonated about trust. I, I'm not going to call out where, but I have been to an area where when you go into the grocery store, they have um, they will actually wipe off the expiration date of the canned goods and put on new expiration dates. And that sort of sense of mistrust of when I eat this, I really don't know how old it is and or where it's been or what's happened that depending on where you live, there might be a nature of distrust to the food in the area and picking off what you said, depending on where you live, that we need to, and that doesn't even, I mean, that can be anywhere. I know that 
Um, one criticism of popular available food in the U.S. is that there's so much sugar pumped in or you never know you know, what really you're eating when you think it's healthy, it might not be healthy, that we, we have outsourced our trust to, to the shop and to the food producers. And it's time to take that back. Yes, it is. And so, you know, that's part of my mission. Uh, you, you, you said that uh, really beautifully. Um, so, you know, I guess the, 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 the uh, aim of the first tip that I, I usually give uh, to people who move abroad is this, get as close as possible to the source of your food. Um, you know, that's as simple, uh, not as simple as that, but it's, it's a good challenge mm-hmm. that will only give you benefits in the long run. Mm-hmm. Right. And- oh, yeah, that's smart. Get as close as possible to the food. So I know I have people in my life that um, eat meat. I don't eat meat, but my my family does. And I know people who actually say, um, I'm only going to eat meat if I can shoot it myself. <laughs> so I know people who actually get so close to the meat where they actually go and go to an area that is, you know, kind of free range and have very intimate contact with the animal so that they can honor the meat that they do eat and really get where it's coming from. Yes, exactly. Another problem of modern society is that we, we, we talk about food as a product, as a brand. Um, you know, now, you know, especially in the, in the United States and, and, and more and more globally, there has been a revolution where brands, healthier brands are coming into the surface of, of the food uh, landscape. Um, that's also a great opportunity to get to know these new food producers. Even though this is processed food, you can still get to know the producer and give it some trust. Uh, so there mm-hmm. is always opportunity to trust uh, what you put in your body. But the point, the main point is do your research. So that's tip number one. Okay, so explore your food, get as close as possible to your food and... Um find out what's happening locally. The second one you said is something about planning your eating. Tell me more. Yeah. So once you did your little research and you know, uh, you know, what food you have in the area, what, uh, what can you eat is, is the second part is this, the actionable part of the, of the whole plan, right? Now you can put it into place. One of the biggest mistakes that we make um, in every daily um, routine um, when it comes to food um, but also, especially under stress, so when you move abroad, is that we don't plan enough around our meals. So what that means, we means means that uh, simple issues like portion control, you know, how big sizes of the food we eat, uh, we don't have control over that. So we tend to overeat. Um, we um, we don't have control over um, our hunger uh, patterns. So we might eat more also because we're more hungry. Um, mm-hmm. or you're jet lagged and you have no idea if you're hungry or not, right? Like <laughs> everything's upside down. Exactly. So if we don't plan our survival, um, our survival will be a stake. Uh, you know, it's, just- you know, so I'm noticing you're talking about survival and I, I really like that, that, you know, we don't think about food as survival anymore. That you know you're you're using this word survival in our core instincts, and it's it's kind of refreshing because food and the way we eat is so, it's so taken for granted. In German, you say selbstverständlich. It's just like a given, 
And I like how you're intentionally using the word survival. Tell me, can do you mind if I divert here for a second? Why do you use that? Why have you chosen to focus on survival? So it goes back to what I hinted at before when I was talking about our primal instinct. I, I keep going back, in my mind, I keep going back when we used to hunt for food or when you used to harvest the food. Um, and, and that was a survival instinct. Nobody told us that we need to eat because it's good for our bones <laughs> or it's good for our you know, heart uh, or because it's, uh, you know, it helps uh, um, against cancer. Uh, we just ate it because we knew we, we had to survive. Uh, so, so that's why I use the word survive because I think it kind of brings back that that instinct that we need to have in order to remember why we eat. For mm-hmm. I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I would call myself an intuitive eater and um, that has not always been the case. I, I think I, I think I ignored my body from the chin down for at least a decade or more. But now I would call myself intuitive eater where I eat what my body is craving And if that's blueberries, it's blueberries. If it's ginger and carrot, it's ginger and carrot. But if we're in tune with our body, if we're actually listening to it, then eating healthy is actually the only option. It's really hard to eat unhealthy when you're in tune with your body because your body doesn't want to dump poison into it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, I I agree. Intuition is uh, an instinct is, is part of those things that we need to recreate uh, with a little bit mm-hmm. of effort into into and integrating to back into our lives, um, mm-hmm. so yes. So you you were talking about the planning, what we need to do to plan to eat. Is there something that we're missing on that step? Uh, what I work really hard with my clients is to have them rebuild a sense of um, eating routine within their daily lives, and that kind of like it can get really involved. Uh, because people are not confident in the way they cook, you know, all of these like cooking show really break down your confidence. You know, I need to win <laughs> a, a first prize in order for me to be able to look at my food. You know, we kind of hit a slant here. We kind of like started to confuse um, hot cuisine and 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 you know, uh, fancy TV shows for what really cooking is. Uh, so. Um, on the second tip, I really enjoy working with people and help them prepare their food over the week and integrate it with their schedule. So it doesn't mean that you have to have breakfast at 8 o'clock every morning and, you know, um, lunch at 12 because between 12 and 12.15, that's when your metabolism works best. Like, no, there is not like that fixed rule, but there is a routine for which your body would be thankful for. Um, you know, you want to eat before you get starving. You want to drink before you get thirsty. You want to have food nutrients that even though you don't, you don't know they exist, they support you mentally and physically throughout your work mm-hmm. day. And it's so funny because so many people say I don't have time. And when we go back to this idea of survival, it actually robs you of focus and energy if you don't make time for it. So you're actually losing time if you don't eat well. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, so true. We're 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 caught up in in this like you know catch twenty two routine. 
Mm-hmm. I, I have clients who, um, for a long time, didn't even take a lunch break until you know we started working together. And I was like, uh, <laughs> you must have a lunch break. I mean, it just our bodies need to to pause and replenish. But it's it's really quite common. I see that a lot. Tell me about number three. You said schedule self care. I have a hunch we we agree on this one. Tell me more about sed- scheduling self care. Yeah, this is really great. Um, I love self-care. So self-care, it's everything we talked about, right? We also call the surviving, but at the end of the day, is about taking care of yourself. So one, once you source your, your traditional source of food, and I say traditional because I'm, I'm getting there in a second, and you plan some, um, some, some intake food, some food intake uh, routine, you, you want to also take care of the, of the rest of the trinity, and when I talk about Trinity, I get a bit esoteric here. I talk about there is not only the body, as we know, there's not only the physical entity that we are, but we also have a mind. And uh, if, if some of you uh, agree with me, there is also like this like ethereal energy. There is the universe that we also call spirit. Now, whether you're religious mm-hmm. or not, it's okay. You can take that with a grain of salt. But let's say those, those three things really exist, coexist together. So... When I come to tip number three, when the third phase of this uh, strategy, I really encourage my clients to look uh, beyond the body. So schedule your exercises, you know, your physical activities, because that's really good for moving your lymphatic system, expelling your toxins. Um, You know, the lymphatic system is that little network of um, of, of, of viaducts and uh, highways that unlike the blood doesn't get moved with a pump like the heart mm-hmm. and if you don't move those toxins get trapped into your body and you know it has some like negative effect on you and so that is why it's important to move your body so the third point is get rid of your toxins in a way is the you know detoxify part of of the strategy you know you eat now you want to you want to keep the good stuff you want to get rid of the bad one right um you know does it make sense you know what it makes perfect sense to me and i'll tell you why i think if you had asked me a year and a half ago i'd be like detox whatever right (laughs) but a year ago i went i started going to an integrative specialist um, because of some things that I noticed were not right. I think it's around being 40 and I, my, how should I say it? My fuse was shorter with my kids and my skin had started to change. And she put me on this. Everybody knows about this who follows me on my social media. I have this disgusting green smoothie that I drink every day. Mm-hmm. It's with spinach and avocado, which sounds great until you put this detox powder and it's pretty gross, but I do it every day because it's, my skin is cleared up. I've lost weight. I have more energy. I mean, there's, I cannot tell you the physical, mental, energetic changes that have come from it. And I actually found out that I, um, I have like a, a missing gene, so I don't detox. <laughs> I'm great. Lucky me. And, um, so I really do need this thing. And, um, this power of detox, I, d- I would have dismissed a year and a half ago, but because of experience in my own life, I, I pay more attention to that. 
And what my integrative specialist talked to me about was how we have so many more toxins in our environment than we used to because of all, you know, the electromagnetic waves and all the stuff and all that. But I think toxins, I think it makes, it makes total sense that just moving your body and putting the right foods clears it out. Um, But just in interest of time, I think we could go really far in from a scientific perspective um, on this, but just to keep things um, short for our listeners. So there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Tell me quick more about self-care. So taking care of your body, moving your body. So it detoxifies, putting the right food in it. Is there something else that we're missing when you talk about scheduling self-care? Um, yes. So we're talking about the body. We haven't talked really about the mind and the spirit, which can be really, uh, be encapsulated in, moments of mindfulness throughout your day you know maybe take attention to to your food you know make mm-hmm. make a connection to what you're eating taste the food uh you know don't don't look at your phone you know put down your phone um connect with mother Earth. take off your shoes put on your grass uh balance your emotions you know uh food is a great way to to balance your emotion but you can also use external allies like uh, plant-based essential oils uh, are great allies that you can take anywhere with you um meditation is something that you can close your eyes and learn uh you know the four 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 uh uh you know great breath uh work um simple exercise um and and enhance your sleep patterns uh sleeping is very important is that time of the of our human day uh that we call night Mm -hmm. uh, where we process what happened during our wake Mm -hmm. uh times so so all of these activities are great to be scheduled along your food activities and i think i mean these are things that i know there are people who are listening who are saying i know this but i just really have a hard time doing this right so i think there's most people would say yes i should sleep more i should put better food in my body i should meditate i mean a lot of people that i talk to are shaming themselves right now because they're not doing it right and it's really about um, well, actually, before I before I say anything, what what do you tell your people who know that they should do this but are having a hard time making it happen? Well, look, Sunday, our lives are busy and fast paced, and and you know we try to survive in other uh, ways, you know, uh, mainly financially, right away, <laughs> right now. Um, well, what I do with my clients is breaking down, reverse engineer what their uh, current situation is and have them starting with very little small steps. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you say you don't have time. I'm going to ask you, well, um, you know, give me an example of your typical daytime routine. What do you do? And then I'm going to ask, okay, among the things you do, what are... Um, what are the things that you can get rid of? And once we identify that part that can be um, sacrificed, you know, or removed, we can then replace those little single moments for more, um, you know, self-conscious and self-care routine. Um, There's also like this uh, notion that to be healthy takes more time. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just have to, integrate it rather than replace something else and there is many ways to do that 
Right. You know what? I, this is so, I'm almost ashamed to even share this, but I had this realization the other day. Now I go running really regularly. So four or five times a week, I'll go running. And it's really part of my life now. And I remember not that long ago, people who used to exercise like three times a day or three times a week, or even like when I would go to the doctor and they ask you how often you exercise and say you should sweat at least 30 minutes a day. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, it's like, never mind science, you know, like for, there is like this denial inside of me, like not me. And I think because I was a dancer for many years, I've always been relatively fit. Before I had kids, I, I did run. And then, you know, things kind of went off the rails once I had kids because of all, all kinds of other things. But um, I think I was in denial that it is really important to sweat 30 minutes a day to exercise three, four, five times a week. There was a part of me who didn't want to accept that was true. And what I'm hearing you say is there's a part of all of us who are listening, who are, who are resisting to accept that it's true, that the food we put into our bodies and the amount of sleep that we get and the amount we exercise, all of that is really important. And we just like to keep ignoring that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We, we're caught up in, our, in, our, in the routines that we, we learn and we, we think, well, I learned that routine and that is going to be uh, what I'll do for the rest of our lives. But the, the, you know, the, the truth is that as, as our life evolves, also our body evolves and our mind evolves and our needs change. Oh, yeah. And so... You know, when you're 23, you can you can um, afford much more um, toxicity yeah. and uh, disruption in your life than you can when you are at 40. Um, <laughs> and, and I know because I'm laughing because I'm thinking about how my body responds differently to two glasses of wine now after 40 than it did when I was 23. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you're know, right. I mean, so, you know, my, so my message that I want to share is that really use this idea that Mauro is talking about of, of survival. Like, what are you doing to your body? And is this conducive to the way that you want to live? I love that you use that word um, mindfully because it's, it is true. It brings us back to how important it is. I think that's why I like the way that you, you use that. I know that you have so much more to share, but what I would love to do is focus our attention now on some of the questions that the listeners of Expat Happy Hour sent in around food. And I, I'm going to just read one or two questions and I want to hear your thoughts on it. I'll share my thoughts on the ones that are relative to the cultural side. Uh, do you mind if we shift here and I'll just throw out a few questions our listeners have asked? Yes, go ahead. That's fun. Okay. So the first question is from one of my, their listeners. They say, I read recently that your gut bacteria actually change when you move to a different country. Is this true? And if so, what impact does it have? Is it worth taking probiotics? So what do you think about that question? Yeah, so I'm not an expert, obviously, in uh, neurogastroenterology or gastroenterology or, 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 you know, any of that sort. I do know that the microbiome um, uh, through research uh, changes 
every one or two days. It's really, it reacts really quickly. And I do know that when we change country, there is like different local germs and pathogens that uh, affect our system. So it is true. It is really mm-hmm. true. Uh, probiotics are really good for recreating the uh, biome um, of flora, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, the landscape of our, of our inside. Um, so they're really uh, helpful to have. Um, what I usually uh, advise as part of this, the, the food planning is to probably avoid as much uh, inflammatory food as possible for the first few days as you arrive into the new country. Of What's course, inflammatory is- food? What does that mean? What, what are examples so- of inflammatory food? So there is differing dietary theory and the inflammation diet says that foods um, uh, such as like meats and uh, dairies and, uh, you know, processed food, uh, high in sugar, high in salt. um, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I think about when when we go back to the U.S., it's basically what people go for first, processed food, salty. So it's a common mistake, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, you want to land in New York City or, or you know, in Texas, and the first thing you want, you want to bite at that juicy hamburger. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I do too; it's actually part of my routine. But then I realized that um, in order to optimize things, I would have to stay clear of those things. You yeah. know, it's uh, just counterintuitive. I just want nachos. Yeah. All I want is nachos. <laughs> So we should avoid that. We should avoid that. Okay. So avoid inflammatory food. Um, What happens if we don't? Like what happens if we ignore our gut health? Well, you know, it's all about immune system um, and and how it breaks down everything else around us. You Mm -hmm. know, we start uh, getting sick and, you know, little symptoms here and there. We stop sleeping well. Uh, our level energy goes down, our skin start getting, you know, some, some rashes, our stomach gives some symptoms, you know, yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly. Also the same <laughs> is the same symptoms of, of stressful life uh, uh, style, which yeah. is uh, something we all commonly share nowadays. Right. And there was another question that came is um, one of the, the listeners says, since I moved to Egypt, I've become prone to getting food poisoning. I'm really careful, but Egypt simply doesn't have the hygiene standards of where I come from, she said. Are there ways to protect myself? Yeah, I mean, you know, similar to the same basic steps that I would suggest, you know, um, especially um, um, at the beginning, I will learn my food and, and stay basics. Clean water is very important, as you probably know, um, down there. Um, and uh, obsess, obsess over food, what mm-hmm. you eat, what you put in. Mm-hmm. I know in Burkina Faso, we, um, we had to put a teaspoon of bleach in our water when we cleaned our vegetables and fruit. Um, some people use vinegar as an alternative to avoid the potential of getting, um, they call them microbe, like getting food poisoning or sick. Um, so there are some extreme measures that, that people go yeah. through to avoid it. And what I've, you know, what we talked about before is that actually, if you've got a really strong immune system, it'll help you minimize the impact of food poisoning if you do get it. 
that's it. Uh, that's that's the main, you know, basic concept. You know, stay strong, and of course, you're not totally immune from local germs and and uh, and pathogens, but will help. Okay. Well, the last question that we had from a listener was, um, and this one I feel like I can answer from a cultural perspective. The question was how to politely decline when someone is allergic to the food without offending. And I'm not going to give one answer here because it really depends on the cultural context that you're in. So in a cultural context where they value direct communication, you can say, I'm allergic. Excuse me, I can't eat this. I'm allergic. But in other cultures where indirect communication is more valued, you might want to think about a way to talk about it differently. Like you could say, um, my doctor has told me I'm unable to eat this food. And that way you're sort of outsourcing the message via your doctor. It's like a third party is the one responsible for you not being able to eat it. It's also a hierarchy related example. So it's someone high in the hierarchy has said you can't eat it. So that might be a way to reduce offense. These are just two examples. We have so much cultural complexity on this planet, and it really depends on where you are, who you are, where you are in the status, what your gender is, your age is. So I don't want to give one answer that fits all. So my suggestion would be if you are in a cultural context where there is a specific food that you're allergic to, you ask what's called a cultural informant, somebody who is local from there. And you say, listen, I have this dilemma. I am allergic to this food. I don't want to offend. What do you suggest based on the cultural situation that I say? And then listen to their advice. That is my answer to how you can politely decline when you're allergic to food. I know there's a lot of other questions that you have. So we're going to um, be available on social media where more questions pop up. You can ask me. And if I have a question that only Mauro can answer, I will definitely send that forward to Mauro for his insight. And we've just, we've really just, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg. So from the, from the cultural perspective, Mauro, I just want to, want to talk about it um, because for me, we're talking about resilience and adaptation um, that this is, you know, from a cultural perspective, there's a lot that we can do about how we connect with people, how we connect across cultures. And what I'm hearing from you is that another way to boost our resilience is through what we put in our bodies and how we treat our bodies truly like a temple, right? I know it's a cliche, but that's what I'm hearing you say today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm a believer. Um, and, uh, you know, even even me that I thought Italian food was healthy and it is healthy in, in the core of the Mediterranean diet sense. Um, but most people, you know, don't eat that way. And I learned that, you know, that the hard way um, I had to re re engineer my uh, my diet for my own benefit. Mm -hmm. And and. No, I like that you bring culture, and I know that it's a big, um, it's a big influence out there. Um, it is really challenging to navigate cultural differences um, on a daily basis uh, if we want to um, get away from from certain, you know, cultural routines, especially when it comes to food. Uh, you know, how do you get away from that? You know, so it's little steps and. And, and I guess, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a long way, but you know, so, have to do it. 
let me just let me just take advantage of your wisdom uh, while we're still on the podcast. I have a client who is French and she's married to an American and they've recently relocated from Europe to the United States. And she finds herself frustrated because she wants to continue to have a home life with French eating patterns and foods. And it, she finds it very difficult because as soon as the children are in daycare or with um, grandparents, for example, everything changes. So what advice do you have for this um, family where the lone wolf, the lone French parent in the American context, how to keep the health standards that are common you know, in French in terms of the types of food they eat, the quality of food they eat, when they eat in a context where they're being dominated by the U.S. context. And I know you have a lot of clients in the U.S. who are European, so maybe you have something to share here. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously one of the tips still valued here, you know, research your food and plan accordingly your meal your meals. Um, I also like to work with them in uh, replacing um, healthier ingredients uh, from their French um, you know, from their from their uh, cultural eating. So uh, that's what I do with my Italian uh, recipes. You know, I replace some of the ingredients that are more fat or more salty or or ingredients that I cannot source, um, you know, authentically here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just replace it with uh, uh, healthier, so maybe plant-based uh, milk, uh, you know, uh, instead of uh, certain ingredients, I replace them. Uh, but in terms of like, living your life in the States uh, and, uh, and preserving your um, eating habits, you know, from your own country, I would say that uh, it's about balance, uh, if you agree with me someday. So mm-hmm. if the kids go to school and have lunch uh, the traditional American way, they still have the breakfast and dinner to uh, exercise their cultural, you know, um, their cultural eating habits. Yep. I, you know, my way of saying that in my language is to exercise control where you do have it and let go of control where you don't. And it's the exact same thing you just said. And the other thing that I recommend for this client is exactly what you said here about, you know, really planning ahead for having the healthy foods in your house, but also celebrating the French culture in your home and sharing that with your, with your friends, like your American friends, you increase the opportunity to eat more of your food when you celebrate that and invite your, let's say for this case, you're French and you have a French evening, and then you invite your American friends over and you share your culture, you share your cuisine. And that actually increases how often you're, you're eating um, that sort of food. And it also helps your children see it celebrated and, and normalizes it. So those, that's what I would add from a cultural perspective um, with the food. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's the key. You know, you don't want to give up on your culture, but at the same time, you want to integrate it. Yeah. Um, so there is many, many little ways to do that. So thank you so much, Mono, for for joining us. You have brought a depth of thinking about food that I think we commonly, honestly, like to ignore. And this podcast is coming uh, out during the holiday season for, for many who do celebrate Christmas. This is between 
Christmas, actually, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day through the new year. It's a very food laden holiday for those who celebrate other holidays. Food is always central to our experience. So um, it's a great timing in terms of that. I know James Beard says food is our common ground, a universal experience. But it's challenging when the way we celebrate with food isn't replicated where we are. So I'm I'm thinking about everybody who's celebrating the holidays right now and the foods that they're eating and um, how it makes them feel in their heart and in their body. Uh, especially around this holiday time. Mauro, any last parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Um, oh, you catch me. <laughs> it's like a no pressure question, right? <laughs> Sorry about no that. Wisdom uh, means three words, uh, you know, make history. <laughs> um, I would say the holidays are tricky, but... Um, you know, stay focused on how you feel rather than what you want to eat, mm. and uh, you know, focus on uh, focus on that, and you'll be fine. So that's my personal tip on the uh, on the topic. That's wonderful. <laughs> and tell us where can people find you if they want to get to know you more and about your work. So I uh, prepared a little cheat sheet for uh, about what we talk about today. You can find it and download it at donstophealing.com forward slash adapt dash and dash succeed. I'm pretty sure Sunday is going to uh, link that somewhere. Yes, I but, will. Uh, yes, so you can find me on that page. Uh, on the social uh, comments of Sunday's podcast uh, in the social groups and her social groups. I'd be happy to reply to any questions uh, or any inquiries. And I'll also put your website, I'll put your website on there as well for people to contact you. And if you can't find him, just email me and I'll connect you to if you're looking for him and uh, who he serves and how he can support you during this time. Mauro, thank you so much for being with us on Expert Happy Hour. I am going to wish everyone a happy holiday season, whatever that means for you and wherever you are in the world. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Bean. And thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you with two sort of playful quotes around food uh, this time of year. Good food is a good mood. And not only that, we learned on the podcast today that it is more than a good mood. It is about your happiness, but also your energy level and quality of life. So definitely spend some time around this time of year to think about how you want to step up in your life differently so that you have the energy that you're looking for. And just for fun, I'll leave you with a quote I just found online. It says, spread love as thick as you would Nutella. 